And now, coming to you live from our Coast to Coast Trading Desk, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast recorded in front of a live Discord audience where we discuss all things the economy, the stock market, and the market forces that shape your world. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time, you know, uh, you know an interesting show. We have a pretty hot inflation situation to deal with. We've got a crypto market that uh, is defying that inflation a little bit, and then a market that's kind of losing its mind at close on Friday over fears of an actual honest-to-God invasion of Ukraine from the, side, from the Russia side of things. Kind of a goofy day so far kind of a weird market moment but let's look at what we ha- let's look at what happened this week and look at what we're looking at for the week ahead as well as always to help me explore that i've got our chief analyst co-founder and ceo ladies and gentlemen it's justin kramer justin man what's good how's life over on the east coast going uh not bad so far um another crazy week um <laughs> but no complaints so far um just as investors i'm sure Everyone in listening right now is is confused. Are we up? Are we down? Are we sideways? Um, so hopefully we can talk through all that stuff today in the in the thirty minute session we have. Exactly, and that's always honest. We try to keep these to be a type thir- a tight thirty. If you do have questions though, feel free to drop them in the voice chat channel here on Discord, or you can just feel free to DM me Moby Star at any time. If you are listening to this uh, on our podcast feed of the recorded version, just feel free to email us at uh, hello at moby.co, or you can join our Discord and DM me directly. I'm at Moby Star here. Always really ready and able to make sure that I am focusing these conversations around your needs, our brilliant and probably beautiful audience. And so, Justin, like, a lot going on today. It's not exactly a chill end of the week, right? I guess the main thing we want to talk about first is just kind of not only inflation, but sort of the market's kind of, like, confusing reaction to inflation. The CPI came out yesterday, which has kind of been the pain point of the month for the past, like, four months. We watched the CPI rise through the fives, the sixes, and now it's hitting the sevens, i.e. 7.5% inflation. The market was expecting 7.2% inflation, y'all. We got 7.5, and instead of the market kind of losing its mind over that, uh, yesterday Bitcoin didn't even care, kept rising, had a very brief dip and kept rising, and it's only today when the when the U.S. government is like, hey, can all y'all Americans go ahead and leave Ukraine, please, uh, that the market's like, you know what, maybe I'll... Um, <laughs> maybe I'll uh, start, you know, pulling out my money here. So I guess let's talk about inflation first. We can briefly touch on the Ukraine sitch. We talk about it every week at this point. We have no idea if it's a head fake or not. We have no idea if it's the government being overly cautious or anything. Um, But Justin, let me get your views on why the market kind of isn't reacting as strongly to inflation anymore. Is it because we kind of know that like a 50 basis points raise is coming in like 30 days or less? Or like what's the deal here in terms of how we're kind of responding to uh, inflation rising ever so slightly faster than we want? it to during this peak inflation moment yeah i mean i think the market at this point is is starting to price it in a little bit more um additionally it looks like although inflation is rising the rate at which it's rising is starting to decrease which is almost more important than a decrease itself um it kind of signals to a lot of people that we may be approaching a top which is kind of what we had signaled um and been talking about for the last several months um, so I think that's probably a factor on top of that. Like the market, it's not like the market reacted well, you know, <laughs> inflation came out at seven and a half percent. The markets weren't up. Um, they were down and Bitcoin being down um, or, or sorry, not down, but even flat to up makes sense as well, given it's a deflationary asset. I mean, things are just moving in every direction. Um, and then today, to your point, the government comes out and says that you should evacuate Ukraine because they're anticipating a potential invasion uh, by Russia. So you can't make this shit up. It's something new every day. Um, but as we've been saying for literal months now, the volatility is not going away anytime soon. So we just really, really need to be hyper, hyper aware of that. 
Exactly. It's going to be the name of the game right now. As people keep joining our Discord, as people keep joining our podcast, they kind of come with the same initial questions. And it's like, oh, God, how do I play this? It's one of those things. It's like you have to, you know, mind your positions, find dips to buy, and then, you know, hold on to the long term. In the long run, this volatility doesn't matter. It gives the media something to talk about, which is super fun and super wild. But, you know, when we make a suggestion here, when our analysts, you know, make a price suggestion, they are, you know, offering some short-term upside potentially. But the main thing is you are thinking about this at a minimum on a five-year time scale. And hopefully we are giving you the confidence you need to hold on to these stocks for a 10-plus time scale. We want to make sure that you find those those moments that, you know, give you um, that sort of long-tail view. So in the in the long run, this, this whole volatility situation doesn't matter. Again, it's just noise that's going to distract and stress you out, uh, just like most of the things that exist online right now. So when we think about that, I think we get back to that long-term perspective, right? That's all we're really, really going to mention. I mean, the only thing, other thing really happening with the Ukraine situation is oil prices are popping off as well, but it's nothing too fancy or nothing too exciting. So Justin, let's get into more of that long view then. Let's start thinking about building our portfolios and sort of like get rid of these distractions because we talk about this stuff all the time. Like I don't want to get distracted by all this nonsense happening on the sort of like large scale geopolitics side of things. So Justin, I guess that gets to um, getting into some quick updates about uh, various stocks we've been watching. Like we were very excited uh, in Q4. We called this our pick of 2020. We're talking about Twilio, right? Twilio came out this week, had a brilliant earnings call, smashed its way uh, through um, like a big rise yesterday on the back of just a brilliant revenue call, right? Um, and it's kind of regressed to the mean. Like it's still up on the week, but very much down on the day. And so when you're thinking about that long tail view, when you're thinking about like how brilliant Twilio, when you think about your analysis, like what's going on with Twilio right now? Like what's your perspective in terms of thinking about it in the short term? Is this still kind of a dip situation to buy? Or is it one of those things where um, you're kind of rethinking your strategy right now in terms of like how Twilio is going to perform in this kind of weird media environment right now? Yeah, I mean, Toyo's in a good position, um, honestly. I, you know, obviously, they're, the stock's down a, a decent amount, but it's really more a function of rising inflation, of all these macroeconomic factors that are put most people to sleep, but we've been talking about for a while now. And so with Toyo specifically, they had cautioned about six months ago that there may be some short-term headwinds. The stock took a huge dip, and that's when we saw like a massive buying opportunity for 2022. Um so far, the macro environment has not been playing well, but Twilio just came out early this week, announced unbelievable kind of results and expectations going forward a lot faster than people thought. And so the stock actually responded by being up in the after hours, almost 30%. But today, when you see the market down 2% and you see Twilio's beta, which is a measure of its volatility relative to an index at 1.35, it's going to move in the same direction as a lot of the ETFs that it's carried in and the market direction in general. And so with the market, specifically the S&P 500, down almost 2% today, it makes sense that Twilio's down so much along with it. If you look at other big growth names, they're all getting hurt as well. And so they're going to be following this kind of trend line until things reverse. And so as inflation starts to peak, which again, if you've been listening for a while, we, we, we've been predicting it's going to start coming towards the end of Q1, is inflation starts to peak, rates begin to rise, and we start really accepting kind of like the economic cycle we're in. Twilio will be in a position to kind of reverse. And so we talked about it today in one of the posts we did for our premium members, but talked about stocks to buy in, in a in a down market. And so we didn't mention Twilio specifically because at the time of posting, they had been up so much. Um, but Twilio kind of falls into that range too, into dollar cost averaging down, getting your cost basis lower. 
again, we're we're not investors over a three or six month time horizon. We hold stocks for years and years. And if you're looking for assets that can massively outperform the market and like really give you generational wealth over you know a decade to plus time period, I mean, this is exactly the kind of company you're looking for. Like, you can't get too caught up in the day to day. The Twilio is going to be an absolute monster. Precisely, because it's just the way they're kind of owning all of these really important channels for their clients as well. It's something that has a lot of long tail wealth and a lot of long tail growth going, which is really exciting for the other two companies you mentioned buying the dip. First one being Sonos, which um, main thing is that they have finally pretty much entirely won their lawsuit against Google. So that kind of gets them in a position where they can potentially get a licensing agreement with Google for um, basically Google infringed on Sonos's patents, right? With Google Home and all of their like voice activated nonsense. And so Twilio, I mean, Sonos has a lot of rights here. Is there anything else in terms of Sonos that you like, or is it mainly based off of the fact that they're, you know, potentially going to be able to like, you know, eat Google's lunch a little bit in the um, audio space? Yeah, I mean, so Sonos, like outside of like the Google specific kind of like uh, tailwinds that they got off of, <clears throat> excuse me, the off the lawsuit, Sonos is a stock that we've like loved for a really long time. They have a really good kind of grip on the industry as well in the in the speaker industry specifically. Um, they're a really small cap name that I think for people who are familiar with the brand will be surprised to hear. Um, but with Sonos, you're getting like the potential for real price appreciation over time as they continue to expand their product line and actually launch into new areas. Um, and so again, it's we, we probably sound like we're a broken record here, but with interest rates and the macro environment going against them, the stock's down almost 40%. It's a good time to continue adding to your position. Um, the reason we love it has not changed at all. Um, and then just really having like kind of this this technology moat around their product um, is huge. So it's a stock we continue to love and think will do great. And then on top of that, the other stock we called out was Roblox. Um, so Roblox, if you're looking for like a metaverse play, there's literally no better place. They just launched a partnership with the NFL um, and not just, you know, like a brand partnership, like an actual partnership to come out with a game. Um, this is a company that it will be building, you know, the the future of the metaverse in some capacity over the next decade plus. Um, so stocks down big, but again, these are these are life changing type companies that do not play out overnight. I mean, Tesla ten years ago is not what it was today. I'm not saying this is going to be the next Tesla, but if you're building something truly great and truly like life changing. You're not doing it overnight. So like you just really need to be patient. And so down periods again like this is honestly advantageous. You get a lower cost basis. Um, and if anything, you get additional cost basis so that when you go to sell it, your the taxes on your gains are, are even less. So weak periods like this don't don't bother us literally at all. And audience, just to give you a little bit more perspective, because a lot of people who like push back on our Roblox research kind of push back on it thinking, well, I'm, I'm looking at this as a gaming company. Like, it doesn't make any sense that it would rise that much. You can't really think about Roblox as just a game because Roblox not only is a, you know, place where, uh, you know, you know, kids and teens go to hang out and play whatever Roblox is as a video game, but it's also a platform on which that encourages entrepreneurship, i.e. you've got a lot of people on the Roblox platform making games on Roblox, and so it's it's simultaneously a gaming and social media play, which is why we kind of put it in the metaverse bucket, right? Because it's a place where people with limited skill can kind of develop their game development skills and create like these like 
really wild experiences for each other and make real money. And so you've got this constant churning out of essentially cheap product. Um, people are pushing back on Roblox's practices in regards to this. People are saying that um, Roblox doesn't pay their air quotes developers enough. When we say developers, we mean people who are like trying to make it big on the platform the way anybody else went on any social media would. So, I mean... We'll see how that plays out, but that's kind of a tale as old as time. People on the TikTok Creator Fund are getting wildly underpaid compared to Facebook, and even so, TikTok is destroying Facebook right now. Not necessarily destroying YouTube, like you're seeing a bit of an exodus from uh, TikTok to YouTube as YouTube kind of stays a pretty profitable platform to be a creator on. But just keep that in mind as you think about the Roblox dip. You've got a lot of pressure driving it up because you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of production costs considering that people are constantly making new uh, experiences on it and that's in despite all of the partnerships that roblox has so roblox is not like a Fortnite play it's much much larger and a much more robust and a much more long tail ecosystem and so as we get to the second half of this conversation let's let's exit exit the stock market and talk about how all of this tomfoolery is kind of affecting the crypto market because we're thinking about all those macro trends in crypto as well um literally every time every month the CPI print comes out, Bitcoin has fallen, and yesterday it fell a little bit, but it actually kind of resisted that pull down until the Ukraine news hit and everyone kind of like started being a little bit worried. And so, uh, Justin, when we look at the crypto market, are we kind of, uh, how are we feeling about the whole bear cycle here in terms of thinking about crypto overall? And then you and I can start getting into some of the very specific picks you've been making throughout uh, the, the beginning of 2022. Yeah, I mean, for the crypto market, it's like, it's it's honestly like it's almost laughable um when we were investing over the last several years um i mean we knew like volatility was coming and so you rewind to like october and it's at 62 63 everyone's like oh it's never going down and it goes down and then like even further back in april it was around the same price and it dipped all the way to like the 30s like almost got slashed in half and people are calling for the death of it and it comes back it's like the the short-term memory on people investing in the market, or maybe it's just the media that I'm paying attention to, is just like honestly insane. It's like, guys, this is one of the most volatile assets in the world. What do you expect? Like, this is going to continue on like until the end of time. We wrote our thesis on Bitcoin like a year or two ago. And like we said, like, listen, we think it's going up, but you need to be like comfortable with seeing these massive swings. It's just like... I don't know how people don't take it, take it for granted anymore that or or they don't anticipate it. So if you ask me like what I think about crypto, what I think about the markets, it's like honestly, it's like in the short term, like if you're investing in this for the short term, you're just in the wrong place. Like this is something that you're investing in over the long term. And if it goes down to 20, buy more or or don't. Like this is something we're betting on in the long term. And so if you got in at four thousand or you got in at two thousand, maybe back then you're pissed, but do you think you care today? Like the upstock for Bitcoin in the crypto markets right now is still so massive. We're still in such the early stages. I mean, this is something that is going to create generational wealth over the next few decades. So, I, I mean, listen, you if you want to put like the Oracle hat on it and guess what's going to happen, my guess is we're going to continue to see kind of these up and down movements over the next several months until we have a better sense of inflation and interest rates. But um like if you're investing it over a day, week, month period, then you're just you you shouldn't be investing at all, frankly. 
Exactly. And audience, if you want a better view there, if you want a more visual representation of how Bitcoin has kind of evolved as a volatile asset over time, um, on our TikTok, I actually put out a quick graph last week showing um, like price percent price changes averaged together for both Bitcoin and the NASDAQ from about 2013 till now. And what you see in that graph is A, uh, Bitcoin swing used to swing so much more wildly than it does now. We're talking thousand month over month, thousand percent swings both up and down, right? But as more and more institutional money has come in, you kind of watch this graph happen. You watch A, Bit a Bitcoin stabilize and B, Bitcoin kind of track the NASDAQ a little bit. And so what I'm seeing is that volatility, it's going to be there. Bitcoin is still going to be the most volatile asset of all time, essentially, for the you know foreseeable future. But right now, we're seeing Bitcoin stabilize as more and more institutional money comes in. And I Kind of, I'm pretty sure that based on the sentiment of the market, the thing that kind of pushed Bitcoin up despite the CPI, uh, you know, uh, not being the best news for the market uh, is the fact that uh, there's a lot of noise coming out about BlackRock sort of setting up the financial sort of um, back end to allow all of their money to trade on Bitcoin and sort of set the stage for another attempt at a Bitcoin spot ETF. And if we hit a Bitcoin ETF, the game's kind of over in terms of like Bitcoin's overall value. Um, but again, uh, no, no, that has to be proved by the FTC. We're going to see that coming from a mile away first. So don't listen to people saying, oh, Bitcoin ETF's coming immediately. Oh, BlackRock's happening now. What you're seeing is just a lot more money is going to be pushing in, like the whale-sized money. And so, you know, hold on to your positions. Don't try to, don't try to, you know, paper hand too early right now. And don't use leverage. Don't put yourself at too much risk. Buy what you can throw as little, throw as much as you can that you feel safe literally lighting on fire and forget about it for 20 years. And I mean, you're basically set at that. Not necessarily set, but you know, you have a really strong foundation. But, you know, that also gets into sort of the disadvantages of Bitcoin. And um, we're seeing a lot of uh, people really get into Web3. We're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, people thinking about how we're going to be multi-chain moving forward, how we're going to build the infrastructure of the new internet using all these crypto assets. And so we kind of get into a lot of the picks that you've been making in the beginning of this year, Justin, more on the altcoin side of things. So I guess the main one we're all very curious about is hearing more of your thoughts on is Harmony, uh, specifically the, the one token by Harmony, right? You did a pretty solid write-up about this you didn't quite call, you said it's not just another ethereum killer take me through sort of that that ecosystem play take me through like the thinking there in terms of like we're, we're still trying to figure out you know all these altcoins we can get into because people really want to see that moon behavior they want to see those thousand percent gains outside of the you know kind of 2x 3x they kind of expect from a, a bitcoin investment what uh, what are you seeing in that altcoin space specifically let's talk harmony one real fast dude um yeah so harmony one is like kind of a coin that a lot of people never heard of um so i'm sure when we released it, we got some feedback saying, what is this? But ultimately it was kind of enlightening for us as we've been spending a lot of time, like understanding more about the project and understanding like what their value add was. So like, there's so many projects out there that are like Ethereum alternatives and we posted on some of them and listen, like which one ends up becoming the winner, if not which ones like plural become the winner. It's, it's hard to say, but when we started digging more into Harmony One, we saw something that like we just haven't seen elsewhere. And so, Harmony One focuses on speed and security, and so does like a thousand other coins, but they do so in a very differentiated way. Um, and their results kind of speak for themselves. They've created an internal framework that we won't get into the details, but basically they have one of the fastest finalities out there. Um, and then they use something called sharding in a way that no other coin is really using. So in short, Sharding basically is like when you split up a blockchain into separate shards. So instead of having like everything run on one chain, you have like 10 different chains and then you it speeds this up like drastically. So imagine like a highway where there's 
one road with the same amount of cars. It's going to be congested all the time. For those of you who live in New York, it's basically the Long Island Expressway. Um, but once you add another highway or you add 10 lanes, the amount of traffic that can go through it, in theory, should be a lot smoother. And so that's what sharding does. And they've implemented that really well while also not sacrificing on security, which sharding as a concept isn't new, but the ability to like not bypass security issues and deal with like hacking and fraud and, and all that other stuff, that's something that's going to be like inherently unique to them. Um, so Harmony One, when we when we look about it, when we look at it, we see their their way they stake, the way they are focused on security and speed, um, and how they're connecting and really like working with the ecosystem. Honestly, we we haven't seen a really another project like them. Um, the one thing we will note is that they are inflationary, so they they print over 400 million coins a year, although they're burned when you actually do transactions. But that's something we want to note as well because the run up in Bitcoin and other prices we've seen is largely due to the fact that they're deflationary, um, which means they have a max cap on the amount of supply or there's a decreasing amount of supply. But Harmony One is inflationary. So well, I don't think you're going to get these massive jumps up, but it's also inherently going to be safer. So long story short, it's a coin that is extremely unique, has an extremely like, differentiated product offering. And again, this is still the first inning of a nine-inning ballgame. How this will pan out is really hard to say, but these are like asymmetric bets. You put in a little bit and you're expecting massive payouts. So even if you get 19 wrong, the 20th should pay for all 19 and then some. Um, so this is this is a company or a crypto rather that we're taking a big bet on. Exactly, and and I think it's, as I'm getting a lot of questions too about sort of the macro trends, a lot of people have a lot of concerns. What I'm what I'm seeing from like the questions I'm getting, a lot of people have a lot of concerns about exactly what the utility for a lot of these coins is going to be, and like how they're going to sort of have that long term value. And that's still being decided. We're still trying to figure out what the best and most efficient system and the most secure system is for building sort of this like decentralized brain that Web three is going to be audience. And that's why you see so much competition and so much excitement in this space, and therefore so much. Space speculation. And so one one macro trend I'm watching that may be a little bit more signal than noise is this whole discussion around um, sort of ISO 222 compliance, which I have a big report coming out, not next week, but a little bit afterwards. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of take you guys through that, give you sort of more of the macro trends that are going to be shifting around the crypto space, around sort of the, the tokenized sort of uh, life here. Um, but I just want you to keep that in mind, audience, that a lot of this is still being decided because you don't know how all of these are going to scale. And scale is is the critical issue here. So Ethereum still can very much win this whole conversation and be the sort of like network that is the internet computer that makes Web3, or it can be a bunch of different chains kind of working in, working together, that sort of thing. Maybe not, a, I don't think there's necessarily going to be a lot of cross-chain stuff, especially since uh, we just saw, what, a $350 million hack on a wormhole gate, which I'm not even going to begin explaining what any of those words are, sorry. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of things that like make us think maybe it's going to be a future that's more multi-chain, but not necessarily cross-chain. But a lot of really exciting like things to think about as we kind of move forward here. And so as we kind of watch what's happening. I guess the main thing as we think about next week, Justin, is um, I guess our, the market is kind of holding its breath while A, Russia decides if it's going to for real um, invade Ukraine or is it just doing this to pump oil prices. Meanwhile, uh, the market is holding its breath while the C while the Fed you know, has another emergency meeting on Valentine's Day. Um, even though they do that all the time, like they're still probably raising rates in March, but maybe they'll raise them earlier and spook the market. Who knows? Um, there's a, we're, we're kind of in this period of holding our breath and watching, waiting for sort of like the real 
big events of 2022 to really kick off rates being raised air quote uh, question mark war in ukraine other question mark so justin as you think about this as we think about next week is there any are any other economic events any earnings calls anything at all we're watching out for um besides sort of like the big events that we're all kind of holding our breath around yeah i mean <laughs> there's definitely some big ones that you mentioned like the whole russia ukraine thing if i mean if that ends up happening how that will shake out is is really hard to say at this point um, but outside of that, more like specific economic events um, and macro events, there's and sorry, and earnings events, there's definitely some companies we're looking at. And so the real estate markets, we're going to be looking at Vornado, um, which is a REIT. We're going to be looking at the car markets. So right now, the secondary car markets and just inflation there is, is insane, especially with supply chain issues. So we see advanced auto parts and uh, Avis Budget Group reporting next week. So we'll definitely be looking at there. Alibaba is a stock we've been talking about for a while. Um, that is completely oversold. Um, it's it's hard to say when the bottom will be, but their their price has just been slashed in half for a company that's the Amazon of China. So hoping to get some news from them. In addition to Airbnb, which continues to be such a hot company, even though they're they're dealing with their own issues. And so those are kind of just like companies we're looking at. From like, yes, I want to know what's going on with them, but I'm really kind of curious more to hear what they have to say, so I can understand what like the the landscape looks like. When I'm looking at specific companies, Roblox, we just talked about them earlier. They're going to be reporting next week. Um, they're such a long-term play, unless something drastically comes different. I'm just looking for more of the same. Um, same thing with NVIDIA, same thing with Shopify. These are companies that like we're, we're betting in over the a long term. So unless there's some sort of drastic you know, result coming out, it's going to be, I think, par for the course for them. Um, but it, it's still a big week of earnings. I think the biggest one of the short term we're looking for is going to be at DraftKings. Um, DraftKings is down almost like 60, 70% from its all time high uh, earlier this year. And so we think we put a piece out on this early this week for our, on our website. Um, we think DraftKings is, is a really good buy right now. Yes, can it keep sliding further, of course. But if you're betting against DraftKings, you're betting against legalization of sports gambling, which, frankly, in my opinion, it's like, you know, obviously nothing is concrete, but. It, it's really hard to argue against that happening right now. And so DraftKings, they're not the number one player, but they definitely have sizable market share in a lot of the markets they're expanding to. So New York being one of them, New Jersey and, and so forth. Um, so I think DraftKings is really going to be a company um, that I want to specifically pay attention to during this earnings call to get a much better sense of what their user growth has been like, app downloads, um, and not only will that give me like a better context for the rest of the sports gambling apps, but it'll also give me better context for them specifically. And so that will be on a fundamental perspective, how we're looking at them. And then quantitatively, um, we just hired a new data scientist that we're really excited about to help us start analyzing more trends that can't really be spotted with the human eye. Um, and we're going to get a whole new sense of analysis now um, that we've never had before. So we're really excited to roll that out as well. Exactly. And that's the cool thing about being at Moby right now, you guys being on the ground floor here, audience, is just getting, you know, just the beginning of our perspective. Like we are building such a robust machine around just, you know, our analysis team that I'm really excited to give you just like, there's so much, there's so many updates that I can barely talk about that are just, uh, I'm really excited to give you more and more tools to help you understand how to build your portfolio over time. But the main thing I can offer right now is just to, re to jump, like reiterate what Justin's saying here. I want you to get like, as we go through this podcast audience, as you 
you listen week over week over week, I hope you start getting an understanding of the rhythm of the market quarter by quarter. Like at the beginning of every quarter, the the mid-January to early February period or the early mid-April to early uh, May. Yeah, that's how months work. I'm good at that. Um, what you see is at the very beginning of the, that earnings season, you get all the big players, Facebook, Google, Amazon, whatever. If they do well, they drive the whole market up. If they do poorly, they drive the whole market down as evidenced by Microsoft kind of starting off earnings season by driving the whole market down um, while Apple then saved the whole market. Now that we're in the back half of earnings season and it's more of the smaller players kind of coming out, you're going to see more individualized plays. And so what you're going to see is volatility take hold more and more. And so you're not going to get a lot of signal right now. Obviously, there are big forces driving the market down, i.e. Uh, war with Russia, question mark. But you now, once we get through the big moments of earnings season, you need to get into that mindset of individual stocks. Find those dips to buy. And if you really need that short, those short-term gains to like, you know, make you feel better about investing like obviously picks like DraftKings are just an absolute win just find those places where the market right now is a little bit wrong but one good earnings call is going to uh, show the market how wrong it is and get people buying even more and more and more so that more individualized perspective is how you really win during this volatility period but again you're only really winning um, you know in a false way because the real way you win this game is by buying and holding for you know five to ten years absolute bare minimum you need to you need to have that confidence to keep continually adding to your positions over time for the next 30 years and that's how you win in the long run like that's gen that's the, the entire process of generational wealth it's secretly a very easy game to play it's just you only get one chance to play it and so audience have been really excited to give you that help you help you build that confidence help you build that perspective but we are basically out of time here so audience i appreciate all the questions we got um over here um but i, I will be you know kind of answering my dms individually but if you have any other questions uh, that you want to make sure you get asked next time you can make sure you dm me here on discord or again just email us hello at moby.co again we are trying to tailor these conversations around your needs our brilliant and probably beautiful audience but justin kramer uh, ceo and co-founder chief analyst here at moby.co any final thoughts from you before i go ahead and read the credits man as always i'm blown away this has been a, it's been a half an hour already but i'm you know just excited to uh uh you know get ready to net for next week here man yeah i mean uh time always flies here but uh no i think um i mean every week is never stale um it's good having these conversations i think um for who's ever listening whether it's live or on the podcast Getting your feedback is is very paramount, especially on the content you want to hear, on the content we we talk about going forward, and even what we build from a product and technology perspective. I think if there's anything we value, it's your feedback. So the more we get of it, the the more we're happy. And so we really just thank you all for continuing to show us support um, and continue to help us really just grow so substantially. And that's the critical thing, too, is just you guys have been the driving engine behind this. And so we can't thank you enough, audience, because it's really starting to help us build something really robust that's going to help a lot of people have that perspective they need to build these long-term portfolios. So I'm glad you guys are here at the ground floor with us, and I'm so excited to take you guys to the top as we build something really cool here. Either way, audience, I really appreciate your time. Justin Kramer, CEO and co-founder here at Moby.co. As always, thank you so much for your brilliant perspective. Audience, just so you know, this podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. Um, all, all of our perspectives here today came from our chief analyst uh, CEO, the whole the whole nine yards, Justin Kramer. If you have any questions for us, you can feel free to hit us up at hello at mobi.co or hit us up on our Discord. At the same time, audience, feel free to check us out on other channels. We just had a new style of video drop on uh, YouTube where we kind of went through the macro ideas that are driving Tesla forward over the next 10 years. Check that out. Let us know what you like about that new style. Um, as always, we're doing pretty well on Instagram as well. We're kind of, uh, we're, we're a question mark on TikTok, but we'd love to, you know, get your perspective there as well. Otherwise, just keep hanging out with us here and we will keep taking you 
through all of the perspectives you need to win week over week over week. But for now, audience, I really appreciate your time. And as always, I like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.